So if you can, I'm going to ask you guys to stand one more time. And before we get any further into our sermon today, we are going to pray this prayer that we pray before we get started. We're going to put it up on the screen. and We are going to read it together and say, My heart's open. My mind is ready. Make me better, God, by your word. I receive it and I believe it. I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, today we are on our last week of our sacred series. And and really, I felt that this is something that the Lord put on our hearts, on our pastor's heart, Pastor Jim, and and on our hearts as a pastoral staff. And and it's really something that I, I feel that God is putting in our hearts as a church. Amen. And I think that it's important that we start off 2024 on the right foot going back to a joke I said a few weeks back. Bringing back sacred is what this is all about, and and that was the title of of the first message about how I think that it's something that we we really need for our lives, and and we need those sacred things in our life because, why? Because we are in a world where where more and more people, we see it all the time, are straying away from that which is sacred, where where, where reports and, and studies and statistics have shown that, that really that the United States is no longer considered a Christian nation. You know, we, we've taken this path in, in, in this world or as a world, as a people, that, that strays us away from those sacred things. And, and you've heard Pastor Jim say it before, but, but really sacred is, is one of those old words. And really what it means is to be connected with God. I don't, I don't know about you, but I want to be connected with God. Amen. And that's what we want to do. And, and in bringing sacred back, what, what we are saying is we want to have a life. We want to live a life that is connected to God. I want to be intentional. What we're saying is I want to be intentional about the way that I live my life, the way God wants me to live my life. I want to be intentional about being in contact with him. I want to be intentional about communicating with him. I want to be intentional about being in relationship with him by walking with him. So, so I, I pray this morning that this will, will set, that this series will set the tone for your year, that you will want that sacredness in your life, that, that you or that we as a church will bring back sacred to our own life. So, so if you've been with us since the first week of this sermon series, we'll, you'll see that we talked about bringing sacred back, having those sacred moments with God, spending time in prayer, right? Setting the first of our day to, to have those sacred moments with him. And, and through that, we find our sacred purpose. Week two, we find that sacred purpose when we're connected to those sacred moments. And, and we really, we see how those sacred moments lead us into what God is trying to speak to us his purpose for our life. Week three, we talked about sacred habits and, and what it looks and what it means to, to, put, to put God first in our life, to, to give God the first of everything and he will bless the rest. We, I want for us as a church to develop those, those sacred habits. Why? Because it is in those sacred habits that, that we get our strength to live the life on purpose, the life that God has called us to live. And so today we are talking about keeping sacred things sacred. I made a joke the other day, uh, actually this morning, about how every time I misspelled sacred on accident, it would, it would autocorrect to scared. 
And so if you hear me say keeping scared things scared today, know that I, I didn't mean to say that, but keeping sacred things sacred. And, and, and our first scripture that we're reading today is found in the book of Psalm chapter 63. And this is really our key verse, our key scripture for this series. And it reads like this, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you is what the psalmist is saying. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Verse 2. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. The psalmist is saying, I have looked for you. I have searched for you. And it is an intentional thing that the psalmist is doing here. He is, he is, it is an action item. It isn't something that he is doing. He is, he is looking for God and there is a purpose for his looking And that is that he wants to see God's power and that he wants to see God's glory. I think that the day that we are living in, we need to be on the pursuit of sacred. We we need to be on the pursuit of of looking for God because it really, it seems that this world that we live in, it's a world that is full of landmines. And when I say it's a world full of landmines, I mean... Whatever you say, whatever you do, you have no control over how that other person is going to react, right? You, you can say something with, all, with the best intentions in the world, or you can do something from the goodness of your heart, and you can't control the way that someone's going to receive it, right? That, that's why I say landmines, because you can't see where a landmine may be, and you might step on it and explosion, it's this world that is full of constant explosion. It's a, explosions of, of division, explosions of, of hatred, uh, explosions of all kinds of philosophies and ideologies. And, and if I'm walking through a field that is full of landmines, I, I'm going to have to say, God, you know what? I, I need your help to navigate these things. I, I need your help to, to navigate this situation. God, I need your help to, to navigate this, this conversation. Lord, guide me. Saying, you are truly greater than I. I have to be connected with God so that I can make it through. You have to be connected so that you can make it through. And, and although that, yes, there is this connection that we need with God, that I believe that we still have to do our part. And we do our part by keeping sacred things sacred. I believe that is worth fighting for, keeping those sacred things sacred. I believe it's a battle worth fighting for to stay connected to God. Daniel, we talked about Daniel several times. He believed it was a battle worth fighting for by him praying three times a day, even though the king had said, anyone who prays to any other God but me will die. It was worth it to him. And there are so many things that, that try to attack our relationship with God. There are, other, there are so many things that, that try to come against our faith. So many things that try to come against the way that we believe. And, and people who question the way that we view life and our outlook on life. And, and so I have to keep those sacred things sacred. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he had an insight and to cultures that would come against Christianity. He was a very learned man. He was very educated, and, and he would see these things and uh, these different cultures that would come against the people of God and that would try to enter and come against their walk with God. And 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Read that again. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Paul is saying it's it's not going to be effective for us to go out and 
and fight the way that the world is fighting. There's, what Paul is saying is, open your eyes, there is a different type of battle that is going on, and that type of battle is of the Spirit. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We're talking about strongholds that, that try to come up in our own life, in your life. And, and the only way that we can change the, the strongholds of the world around us is if we completely demolish them and, and their effect in our own life. Verse 5, we demolish arguments, is what Paul says. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Anything that comes up in our life, any, any pretension or, or any kind of argument that says, this is not what God meant, or, or anything that says this is not who God was, or, or, or anyone who says that this is not the truth, we demolish it. We take those thoughts captive because the enemy would, would want to take our mind captive, amen? We take those thoughts captive and we give them to Christ and make them obedient to him anything that would attack or come against the truth. And really when Paul says we demolish, he, what he's saying is we cast down. You see, in this world that we are living in, we, we can learn something from these passages that we have read is that the first thing we see is that the battle is, is spiritual. It's not a physical battle. Also, that the battlefield is in our mind. And, and that's really where we learn to take care of those things that are sacred, our thoughts, those temptations and the things of the like that would destroy or that would want to destroy what God wants to do in our life. And really the battle ultimately is over truth. The truth of God versus the truth of man, the way man interprets truth, the way that they see truth and the way that they teach truth. But let me tell you something about truth is that the truth of God will always stand, amen? And the truth of the world is always going to come against what God wants. You have to keep those sacred things sacred. We are living in a world where people are constantly trying to deconstruct everything and, and are trying to throw everything out. And, but but there, are, you know what, there are just some things that, that I hold on to, that, that, that I hold on to as sacred. I keep them in my life and my heart is sacred and I want to keep those sacred things sacred. There is often a, a root cause for, for problems that we face in our lives, for problems that we face in society. And, and this is because we fail to keep those sacred things sacred. And, and, and certain things in life are sacred to God. And, and often we can drift from these things and, and we can err or we can fail in, in keeping them sacred. I know last week we talked about sacred habits and how it's, it, it's not hard to develop a habit of eating cheese enchiladas. That's the easy part, right? But today we are going to look at things in life that are sacred. Psalm 73, 28 reads like this, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I want, I want to hear you say that. Let's say it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. I think that one of the greatest things that we can do for ourselves is that we can, uh, to keep things sacred, is to understand the incredible blessing uh, of what it is of being near to God. Lord, if, if nothing else, if you don't do anything else for me in my life, I just want to be close to you. I just want to be in your presence, oh God. 
of making God our refuge, of, of, of making God our place of dwelling. And really the word refuge, refuge is just another word for sanctuary. It is a place that I go to or a shelter, a, a place that, that I am in. In this world that is full of landmines, it's, it's important that we don't pull away from that sanctuary or, or from the refuge or, or from the presence of God. And it's important that we hold on to that sacred connection we have with God because without it, we won't know which way to step or we won't know which way to go. And life can become one big chaotic and confusing situation. I know all of us in here have I've tried to do things on our own, and, and most of the time, it doesn't turn out the way we want it to, right? I, I love to be in the presence of God, and I believe that it is good to be in the presence of God, and it is good to be near God. Not only is it good, but coming into the presence of God is the best for me. It is, it is the healthiest, and it is the safest place to process those things that we go through the things that we face in life. And, and if I am processing things according to the philosophies of this world, if I am trying to process things through the ideologies and the way that the world sees things and all the lies and the deceit that comes with it, is, it's going to bring even more chaos and confusion into my life. And what I'm trying to say is that clearly the presence of God is the best place for us to be. Where we keep those sacred things sacred. It is only then that we can then go out into this world where we can navigate it, where we can understand situations, where we can detect what is happening, what is, what is going on, and then we can dismantle those landmines, those time bombs that, that the enemy would have go off in our own homes, in our marriage, in our children, at work, and in our everyday lives. We can know how to keep sacred things sacred. And this is what I want for everyone to understand today is that Every single one of us today in this house, and if you are watching online, that includes you too. We have all been given sacred things to steward. I, I want to start by talking about our own life. Our, our life is, is sacred, and, and it comes from God. It is a gift from God, and we are created for a purpose. And so it is important to God that I steward, that I keep those sacred things sacred. My life needs to remain sacred sacred. Uh, we are called to live a life of holiness. We are called to live a, right, a life of righteousness, meaning that we are separate from the world. I've been given a wife, a, a marriage, and, and I have to work and I have to do everything that I can to, to keep that sacred, to make sure that, those, that that remains sacred unto God. And, and we have children, we've been gifted children that God has given to us, and that is something else that we should steward, and I, I steward what God has given to me. We steward what God has given to us. My life belongs to Him. Your life belongs to Him, and so our prayer and my plea today is, is for us to steward the sacred things of God, the things that He has entrusted us with because He has a bright future and, and a hope for every single one of us. And, and I, I, there, as a matter of fact, I texted someone the other night, and, I, and he actually texted me first, and I texted him back. I said, man, I love you, and I am so thankful for everything that God has done in your life and in your family and for the way that you have stewarded what God has given to you. And, and there is so much more that God has for us, amen? And that really, there is something at the end of all of this that we are all working towards. And, 
And it may not be tomorrow. We may not be able to see it tomorrow. And, and yes, we may have to go through some troubles, through some difficulties, through some trials, but there is hope for us. Why? Because I know that he lives and I know that one day I will be with him. Amen. I, I, I believe we should just give a hand clap of God. We have to protect the sacred. We have to protect those things that God has given to us. Let me tell you a little story about a man named Esau. If you don't know anything about Esau, he was one of Abraham's grandsons, and he was the oldest of twins by just a few minutes. As a matter of fact, the story says that his younger brother grabbed him by the ankles as he was making his exit, as he was being vacated. <laughs> his dad's name was Isaac, and he, uh, Esau was a hardworking man. He, he was a very adventurous man, and, and the Bible says that he was a man of the fields, meaning he was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman. He was a man's man, and, and his brother Jacob, well, he was a man who would tend to the flocks, and, and one of the things that he had going for him was that he was an incredible cook. I love food. Thank you, Jesus, for food. Well, one day Esau was, was out working the fields, and, and he comes in, and, and he was hungry, and, and there was something that Esau carried due to the fact that he was born just a few minutes before Jacob, and, and it was something sacred that he carried, and, 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 and if you read the story, you see that he had no intention of protecting that sacred gift that he had been given. He became so famished when he returned from the field that he traded something very sacred. It was his birthright that was sacred and precious to God. And he traded it for a mere pot of stew. And we're going to read that story here. Genesis 25. It says, One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. Anyone ever say that before? I'm dying. I'm, I'm so hungry. I'm dying of hunger. What, what good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, hereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Verse 34, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his, for his rights as the firstborn. Verse 32, I, I want to go back to where it says that he starved to death. I, I, I know we kind of joked about saying, I'm, I'm starving, I'm hungry. But I doubt most of us have ever been in an actual place or, or a point of starvation. But that's what Esau is saying right here in the scripture is, I'm dying of starvation. And, and here's what little I know about starvation and it's that if you eat too much food while being in a place of starvation, it can cause a drastic shift in the uh, metabolism of your body. And, and what happens is your electrolyte levels change drastically and it can lead to seizures. I'm no doctor. I Google this. It can lead to heart failure or it can even put you in a coma. And, and, and yet we see that Esau is making this exaggeration by saying, what, what does it matter to me? I don't care. I, I'm starving. Give me something to eat. And then he says, what good is my birthright to me? I, I'm hungry. What, what, what can my, my birthright can't feed me. You see, the thing about the birthright is that it would grant the oldest male child headship of the family and, and a double share of your inheritance, meaning that he's, 
going to get as twice as much as Jacob was going to get. But it was more than just a double share of this inheritance. And it was more than just a plot of land. As the firstborn of Isaac and Rebekah, Esau was heir to the Lord's promises that he had made to his grandfather. But yet we see that Esau still traded away the promises of God for his life. And don't tell me that he wasn't aware of these promises because his father knew of them and his grandfather knew of them. So you know that there were stories. You know that he was aware of it. These promises were for his family, for Isaac and for Abraham and and for several generations now. And you would think that Esau would have this sacred status, this sacred birthright close to his heart. Instead, he is a man who is living only for the moment. I've got to have something to eat for I'm starving. And he doesn't take account the cost of his decisions, the weight of that decision. So Esau trades away something so sacred. And, and, and I think about the sacredness of that promise that, that Abraham received, that he would be the father to many nations. And if you fast forward, you will see that the end result of that promise was that Abraham was a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. He was a part of that promise that would change the world, but yet Esau traded this promise for a bowl of soup. He traded his birthright for something that was of much more, much less value, and, and he failed to keep the sacred things sacred. And I think a lot of times we, we are walking in this incredible presence of God. I think a lot of times we are walking in the promises of God and, and, and the purpose of God, and because life happens, it's easy to forget their importance. It's easy to actually violate those things that God has given to us. And, and we see that Paul talks about it in the book of Romans. He's speaking to a group of people, and he, the first thing he says is, or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Let me start off by saying that I'm thankful for the goodness of God. I'm thankful for the forbearance of God. I'm thankful for the long-suffering of God, meaning that he is patient with me. I'm thankful that he is a patient God who, 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 doesn't, make, who doesn't force me into making a decision, but he wants me to make the decision for myself so that it could be a true relationship with him. And Paul asks, do you despise them? Do you despise all those things? The goodness? Do you despise the forbearance? Do you, for, do you despise the long-suffering of God? And, and why was he asking that question to these people? It's because, yes, they were walking in the blessings of God, but they were still walking in sin. They still chose to walk away from God himself. And, and Paul is saying here in this portion of Scripture that God didn't bless you so that you could continue to live a life of sin. That, that's not why God blessed you so that you could live a life that would be given back to him in return and that his goodness would constantly lead you back to that place of repentance saying, this is not the life that I want. God, living a life that you want me to live, God, is my desire. You see, to despise something means to look down on it as something that is less, as something that is inferior, or, or something that isn't even worth your consideration or, or your care, even. It, is, it means to disdain or, or to treat it with contempt as being worthless, like 
Saul saw his birthright. He showed contempt for his birthright, and he traded it for some soup. What the goodness of God should do is it should constantly lead us to that place of repentance. It should lead us to a place where we are constantly checking our heart, making sure that there is nothing that, would, that we do that would offend God or that would separate us from God's sin. Repentance means to change your mind. It, we have to change our minds regarding the things that we face, and we have to allow God to navigate us through them, keeping sacred things sacred. Jesus, when he is speaking to the, a group of people in Luke chapter 9, he's, this is one of the many instances where he calls out to a group of people and he calls them to follow him. He says, follow me. Not, uh, chapter 9 verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I am thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. I think about where I would be without the cross. I think about where I would be without his redeeming love, without, the, without his redemption, without his salvation. I think about where I would be. And, and, and although I'm thankful for his incredible teachings and I'm thankful for many of the incredible miracles that he performed but without the purpose of his life, which is the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, stories may be forgotten. His purpose was the cross. And if we're going to keep things sacred, if, if we want to pursue Jesus, if, if we want to follow him, we can do that by keeping sacred things sacred. How? By denying yourself. And I know that that's really the enemy of, of, of the sacred things in my life because myself, my, my flesh, this, this flesh is constantly wanting things that are contrary to what God wants for me. You know, my, myself or yourself is always telling you to go down a road that, that God doesn't want you to go down. So in turn, I have to deny myself. Denying yourself, what does that mean? It, it simply just means to forego there's those current temporary pleasures in order to achieve the greater goal of following Jesus. You know, Esau was starving in that moment, and, and he said, what good is this birthright to me? And so he gives it away. He, he, he only saw what he needed right there in that moment. I want to keep that relationship with him intact. I want to deny those things, those, those pleasures in, in my life that would lead me away from God. And, and I want to dig in. I want to lean into the pleasures that would lead me into a relationship with God. Those sacred habits. The pleasure of knowing his presence and the pleasures of, of knowing his goodness and, and of knowing how he loves me. And I want to lean into those eternal pleasures. And in doing so, I turn from those temporal pleasures of this world that would lead me away from him. I just want to let you know today that we aren't called to deny all of the delights and all of the pleasures, but instead those delights and pleasures in life that would lead us astray, that would lead us away from him. And I do this, how? By denying myself fully to the Lord daily. 
But by surrendering our lives to the master daily, we are ensuring our denial of this world. By, by living the life that he wants me to live, by, by taking those steps that he wants me to take, by, by praising him, but by worshiping him and by fulfilling my purpose, I'm, sur- I'm surrendering my life to the Lord daily. And, and what happens in those moments is that I am denying my flesh the pleasures it desires by sharing those sacred moments with God. You see, the things that are temporary, they they can't live in the atmosphere of the presence of the Almighty God. There are so many times when things will come at you disguised as something else, but in the presence of God, they are revealed for what they truly are. Things that are small, things that are insignificant, things that are damaging, and I don't want to do anything with those things. Amen. See, denying is, is not just a slap on the wrist over, over some little desire. It's a, it's, a, it's a transformative process. It's a transformation of life. It involves a lifestyle of repentance and, and turning from self and, and turning from sin in order to turn obediently to Christ. The scripture also says to take up your cross daily. Keeping things sacred by taking up your cross daily. Carrying a cross for Jesus or for anyone in the Bible times meant death. Carrying a cross meant that there was no, it wasn't a round trip, you know, journey. You were going one direction and you weren't coming back. This is what Jesus came for. Fulfill his purpose on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His word says that Jesus came to seek and to save those which were lost. We find his purpose in 1 Peter 2, 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. This is how we can keep sacred things sacred, by taking up our cross daily, by staying in our sacred purpose. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Believe that God has a sacred purpose for your life. If you have a feeling of knowing that there is a sacred purpose that, that will help to keep the sacred things sacred. Your purpose today may be something so simple. You may not know where to start today, but it it could be such a simple purpose. Maybe your purpose today is the purpose of being a good husband. Or or it could be the purpose of being a good wife. Not just a few hours of the day, but but all day. Right? For for some of us today in this place, or for some of you in today's, well, your ministry should be your wife, first of all, your family. But, But maybe you are failing in fulfilling that purpose. And you feel like God is challenging you to lead better to be a better husband or a wife or or maybe your purpose today in this place is as simple as being a good parent could be something as simple as that to pour into your children to love them well to lead them well maybe your purpose today well this is truly everybody's purpose but maybe your purpose today is is being a part of the body of christ You see, God doesn't save people and then just send them off on this journey alone. No, that's not the way it works. He he calls us to be among a community of believers. And and we have all been given these gifts that, that God has given to us to fulfill that sacred purpose.
in our life. And we want to help you take that next step today. My wife mentioned it. We have Discover Life right after our service today. And it's just a little time that we take to get to know you, to, to see what God, for, to help you discover how God wants to use you. Not, not just in your life, but, but in this church and, and in your community and in this world. Another thing we have happening today is, is our life group signups. And, and, and maybe you're not ready to serve, but maybe you just need to be a part of a community of like-minded believers. I just want to let you know that immediately after service in the lobby, you're going to see some life group leaders and they're going to be holding up some signs. And I encourage you today, please don't leave without getting plugged into a community of believers. Take up your cross and do that which God has called you to do. Let's keep sacred things sacred. I love that, that at the end of the verse, and it almost seems kind of silly, a little redundant, and, and is it something that really needs to be said? Jesus said, deny yourself, and then he says, take up your cross, and then he says, and follow me. Keeping sacred things sacred by following Jesus. And, and really what that means is that you have to be committed to the cause. I ask you to stand with me in this moment and I'd like to ask the worship team and the prayer team to come up here. I am committed to what God wants for my life. I am committed to that sacred relationship. Say, I am committed. Several times you will find that Jesus makes an invitation by saying, follow me, but, but there's one that stands out to me the most. And, and in this portion of scripture, he is speaking to James and John and he is speaking to Andrew and to Peter in Matthew chapter four. And he says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Essentially what he was saying, he said, if you follow me, I will show you greater things. If you follow me, I will take you out of the ordinary mundane things of this world. And I will show you the plan and the purpose that I have for you. And if you continue to read the story of, of these incredible men of God, you will see that they were constantly surrendering their lives to him in order for him to grow them, in order for him to teach them. And they learned from him. And, and, and yes, they were there when he performed those miracles and, and they were astonished. They were amazed. And, and sometimes they didn't always understand the teachings or what he was trying to do, but, but yet they learned from him. I want to learn from him and I want to grow in my faith. That is my desire. And this is something that we should all desire for our life. And, and there towards the end of his ministry, he gathers his disciples and they meet in the upper room in John 13, 15. And he says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And if you read that chapter, you'll see that this example that he had given to them was that he had washed his disciples' feet. But I believe that this was just a moment of foot washing. It, it went beyond just that moment in time. This is what I believe that Jesus was teaching us. He was teaching us that we should serve one another, that we should love one another. But the fact that he says that I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Jesus was constantly showing us what life for us should be like. That that sacred moment that I spend with him, that that habit that I have of prayer, that time that I have of, of listening to what the Lord has to say to me and, and hearing his voice in my life. He's, all he's doing is showing me what my life should look like.
The whole picture here is, is Jesus showing his disciples what love looks like. To love someone is to serve someone. To love someone is to stoop down, to, to care for their needs, to, to do the unexpected and, and to take the place of a servant and compassion for those you love. I, I just wonder today, does, does anyone want to keep the sacred things sacred? Maybe you feel like like you aren't, like you are unworthy, like, like you don't know where to start, that you are undeserving of living this sacred life, that, that you maybe come from a, a horrible background or, or a, a lifestyle, or maybe you feel like your life is full of sin and you don't know where to start and, and you're beating yourself and saying, God would never accept me. Let me tell you today is that we can sit in heavenly places and, and we can have sacred moments. Why? Because of the grace and the goodness of God. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, and, and our prayer team is here, and as I'm, soon as I'm done reading the scripture, I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to open this up. But Paul says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, can someone say, but God? But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much for every person under the sound of my voice here today in this place. God, I, I pray, God, that they would be reminded today, that they would be encouraged, that they would take their next step of faith today, God, by, by keeping that which is sacred, sacred, Lord. I pray, God, that lives would be changed, that hearts would be restored, Jesus, that people would be encouraged and strengthened today in this place, God, that they would be reminded, Lord, to deny themselves daily, God, that they would be reminded to take up their cross, God, and follow you, Jesus. And I pray, God, that there is if anyone here today in this, person, in this place who is feeling unworthy of your love, who is feeling like there is no way that this incredible God could love someone like them, Jesus, I pray, God, that that they would come to you today in this place, God, that they would seek your face, that they would repent, and that they would seek your forgiveness, God, that their lives would be changed. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.